and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. My name is Elizabeth Maruma Mrema. I'm currently the Acting Executive Secretary of the Secretariat of the Convention on Biological Diversity based in Montreal, Canada. Can I start with a very basic sounding question? We keep talking about biodiversity, but could you tell us what does it actually mean, biological diversity? In a, in a simple word for everybody to understand, biodiversity compels everything we see around us. It is the forest, it is the land, it is the water, it is the air we breathe, it is the food systems, because all these interconnect. If one is missing, one is depleted, affects the other. Others call it nature. Others will make a difference between nature and biodiversity. Others treat it as the same thing, also looking at it also as part of the ecosystem around us. So the moment you get outside your house, what you see is biodiversity. And all processes of what you see out there on the land lead to biodiversity. Where the food is coming from, from the land, the food needs water then it's part of biodiversity. It needs rain. It's part of biodiversity. You need the air. It's part of the biodiversity. The effects of climate change out there is part of biodiversity. The land produces food. How that food is processed to consumed again leads us back to biodiversity. When it comes to our Convention on Biological Diversity, it focuses on three main objectives. First is to conserve that biodiversity. And if we are able to conserve, then we want to ensure it is sustainably used so that everybody out there can benefit from that sustainability of the use of the conserved and restored biodiversity. And if we succeed with that, we want to ensure also the fruits are shared equitably and fairly with everybody by everybody. And when we look around at biodiversity, do you have a way of measuring just how bad it's getting, how much we're losing? Do you have statistics you could share with us about what the situation is right now? Unfortunately, biodiversity loss is at the tipping points now. The latest report from the uh, IPBS, Intergovernmental Panel on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services of May last year, clearly indicated, for instance, that about 1 million species are at the verge of extinction. We also know, for instance, when we look at food production, which is the largest cause of global biodiversity loss or environmental change, agriculture is responsible to up to 80% of the world's freshwater use and 20% of the global greenhouse uh, gas production. 75% of crops are at the risk because of the loss of pollinators. And yet we also know the value of agricultural crop production. In 2016, 
it was valued at $2.6 trillion, and it has increased tremendously threshold if you go back to 20, uh, I mean 1970 to 2016. However, indicators of regulating the contribution such as the soil, organic carbon, pollinator diversity have declined, indicating that the gains in material contribution are not sustainable. When we look at land, currently land degradation has reduced its productivity by 23% of the global terrestrial area. Food and land use systems occupy almost 40% of the ice-free surface of the earth and are responsible for the continuing conversion of the world's tropical forests, grasslands, wetlands, and other remaining natural habitats. We have already lost actually 85% of the wetlands globally. 28% of the world's agricultural area is used annually to produce food, the food which is lost or wasted, which gives us almost around 1.4 billion hectares of land being wasted. So statistics are not good at all when we look at uh, a number of these biodiversity issues and when we look at food systems, is even more discouraging. So you've given me a list of rather alarming and discouraging statistics, but, but when you are in your meetings in the UN, what at the moment is the most urgent, most pressing issue that needs transforming and changing in the immediate future? From the UN perspective, our priorities, basically we look at, for instance, one of the current challenges we face now is how to be able to secure universal access to sufficient, nutritious, safe, health, and affordable food for the population that is projected to grow to of almost 10 billion come 2050. Therefore, we have this big population and projection to feed and ensure they have access not just to food, but nutritious, safe, and health and affordable food. And we need to ensure then food needs to be produced sustainably by ensuring that the conservation and sustainable use of biodiversity, which I talked before. And if now we look at the situation of the COVID-19 crisis, we really need to scale support, particularly to the most vulnerable groups. The majority of these are in developing countries to ensure they have access to nutritious, affordable food and ensure continuity of that critical food supply chain. Also, we need to keep the supply of food across the world to maintain that open sustainability trade. And we need to ensure that we invest in sustainable resilience food systems. So we need to sow the seeds of recovery for the poor, for the people and the planet. Diets are at the core of human health and a healthy planet. And without a healthy nature, without a healthy biodiversity, we cannot guarantee the quality nutrition or the quality food needed uh, for the population which still keeps on growing. Of course, those are very important and critical changes to start making. Who is it down to then? Who are you looking at to, to transform things? Is it big business? Is it government? Uh, is it the individuals, what we can do uh, as individuals? I think we are all responsible. It's not just the governments. The governments will 
uh, put ensure the policy they regulate food production, food consumption, or they regulate the entire food chain, supply chain. So the government ensures the policies and the regulations and the enabling environment is in place. But we need the business on board because the business are the ones who are in the uh, controlling the food system. Apart from the business who are controlling and many times uh, probably not ensuring that their food system, the supply chain is sustainable, then the pressure should be on the consumers, me and you, the choices we make, the food they purchase. Doctors are telling us even uh, statistics or we are being told that we should avoid, for instance, red meat. But then the choices on who to avoid red meat is not on the business. It's us on the consumers. We are told also we need to reduce the intake of too much carbohydrates. But who has to reduce that? Again, it's the consumers. So the choices the consumers make are key in making the transformative changes in the food systems. And then again, when it comes to the dietary and ensure that we take nutritious diet, we need to have vegetables and plant of wheat. We need to have diversity of the food on our tables and avoid too much fat, avoid too much, as I said, red meat. But you find in many societies, particularly in developing countries, the food is really homogeneous. That is the same food being eaten over and over. So these are some of those things which need to change. All of us are responsible. Government, the industry, more so the choices made by the consumers because then we'll put pressure on the industries for the industries to regulate themselves based on the market forces. And the market is what then the consumers will be able to purchase. That's a great message to people listening because everybody wants to know that they're not helpless, that they have their own role in helping things. So why is uh, 2020 such a special year for the subject of biodiversity? In what way is it a year of marking biodiversity? 2020, when we began the year, we had said 2020 was the super year for biodiversity. Of course, that notion had been interrupted as the result of the situation we are all in currently. However, the super year still on, and I will explain. Initially, it was the super year because one, a number of important uh, events were going to happen during this year, which would have contributed to the sustainability of biodiversity. We would have had our conference of the parties, which would have been in October now postponed. We would have had the climate change conference of the parties in November now has been changed. We would have had the World Conservation Union Congress on nature in June. Again, it has been postponed. And we would have had a conference on the oceans which again has been postponed. All these big meetings would have been at high level, heads of states and government or ministerial level and engaging businesses at chief executive officers level. And all these then we had anticipated would have underlined 
the importance of biodiversity to the people and the planet and to everybody. And therefore, governments, countries would have further underlined that importance. Furthermore, the year we say that biodiversity and climate change are intertwined and linked, interconnected. So again, having the two conference big meetings this year on biodiversity and climate change will have underlined again that connection. Climate change affects land and sea use. Climate change also affects the air uh, we breathe, the water, and more so this year, we come to the end of the current strategic biodiversity plan, as well as the implementation of the Aichi biodiversity targets. And the two have been running for the last 10 years to this year. They are going to be replaced with a new post-2020 global biodiversity framework, which is currently being negotiated to be adopted at our next conference of the parties. And this framework, which will run uh, for the next 30 years to 2050, which is our long-term vision of living in harmony with nature, but aligned for the next 10 years to 2030 uh, agenda for sustainable development, would have carried the world uh, to the next level in terms of conservation and maintenance of ecosystems and biodiversity. Do you worry now the loss of these planned big meetings and events? will set you back a great deal. Not at all. And I was going to that. And in fact, another big important meeting, which is still uh, on the table, is the president of the United Nations General Assembly will also convene a summit on biodiversity uh, in September. The situation of COVID has not frustrated the super year for biodiversity because the scientists, much as they are yet to confirm to us with certainty, are already telling us COVID-19 may have been caused as the result of interference to biodiversity and nature. Why interference? As the result of biodiversity loss, which causes has been the result of loss of the forest or deforestation, the bad use and sustainable use of land, pollution, uh, intensive agriculture, habitat fragmentation have all led to animals uh, being disturbed in their traditional lands, getting into contact to human beings, and therefore ending up with a spillover of diseases from animals to humans, referred to as zoonotic diseases. And again, as the result of trade, travel, tourism, markets, ended up now with human-to-human -human transmission. So the COVID-19 has brought to fore a better understanding of the importance of protecting biodiversity, of protecting nature. I think the situation now has made it very clear that without protecting biodiversity, infectious-like diseases will continue. So the main message of now our continuing special year for biodiversity is Priority number one, as we get out of the pandemic, is to put in place long-term measures of avoiding future pandemic. And food, uh, long-term prevention and risk assessment will be the better protection of the biodiversity and nature. We are also saying 
As a result, then the, the, the super year for biodiversity, which initially we had looked at it as only 2020, now it has been extended also to 2021. Why? All the meetings, all the major engagements at high level, which were planned for this year, have now been postponed to 2021. In addition, 2021, now we may have three conferences of the parties and no longer two as will have happened this year and all related to biodiversity. Can I ask how much then do the conferences of the parties help the discussion to evolve? Do you feel that a great deal is achieved by these conferences? All the future conferences of the parties, I'm sure we cannot avoid discussing the responses to the post COVID-19 response. We cannot avoid. So even the framework post-2020, we expect it will have also a strong goal, targets, and indicators of ways to avoid future pandemics. All environmental-related conferences next year, including the United Nations Environment Assembly planned for February next year, hoping we'll have uh, exit from the COVID-19 situation, we'll discuss COVID, I mean, response in avoiding future emergencies of diseases. In terms of biodiversity going forward, how can and should countries around the world then plan their transitions during the next decade towards a more sustainable practices on food systems and human health and the things that you've been talking about? What is important for us for the time being, we are first in solidarity with all countries globally as they deal with the, the health of each country uh, returning back to normal. So I know we also know moving forward, when we exit out of the pandemic, countries will focus into re getting the economies back out of the economic recession. And the danger is whether environment biodiversity will still have the focus it, is, it, need, uh, it needs and the resources it needs also during the post-pandemic. And this is our message to the countries, that the post-pandemic response is a global shared responsibility. One, it cannot be dealt with one country, and the pandemic has taught us that alone. Also, when countries are looking at uh, economic recovery packages, we hope those packages will be those to trigger not just new more jobs, because millions have lost their jobs, but green jobs green economy, secular economy, so that then any actions taken, they are also environmentally friendly and they build within it the sustainability for the future because it is that environment which will give us, will be open to future pandemic. So if we have to avoid, it should not just, we should not go back to brown economy. Green jobs, green economy, green infrastructure, in other words, building environmental considerations into it. And issues of environmental impact assessments will become key in the future as we rebuild uh, the global economy post-pandemic. That's all so interesting. And one of the things that is going ahead, I think, if I'm right, is the celebration of an International Biodiversity Day on Friday the 22nd. 
What does that day hope to achieve? What does it signify for you? Our International Biodiversity Day, which we celebrate every year on 22nd May. This year, as part of the Super Year 2020, we had planned to do celebrations for the whole week. The celebrations will continue, but now everything will be virtually, globally, virtually, and all countries, particularly our 196 parties to the convention, are celebrating at national level. So this day aims to increase the global understanding and awareness of the value of biodiversity and the need to conserve, to sustainably use, and ensure equitable sharing of the benefits from the biodiversity. So over the years, it has served as an excellent way for both the governments and the general public to, co to communicate. And always there will be either nature walks, workshops, tours of botanic gardens, uh, art contests, and a host of activities all geared to promote that awareness on the nature of biodiversity around us. For this year, our theme for the day is our solutions are found in nature. It's as if we knew because this theme fits very well with the post-COVID situation we are in. And the solutions in response to post-COVID post are back in nature. As I indicated, it is the human activities which have disturbed nature and biodiversity which have led us to the situation where we are. And therefore, we need to go back to nature. That's where the solutions are. And avoid deforestation, avoid intensive agriculture, intensive livestock, sustainable use, sustainable agriculture, sustainable food systems, you see, we go back to nature. And in terms of raising and promoting awareness, we can't do better because we have this clear example in front of us where virtually everybody, including our children, are associating themselves with it. We will do them online. And uh, my talk with you is part of it, which I appreciate. And therefore, this theme therefore highlights that biodiversity still remains an answer to a number of sustainable development challenges we face. And from nature-based solutions to climate change, to food security, water security, sustainable livelihood, biodiversity remains the basis for the future. We are now called to re-examine our relationship with the natural world. One thing is certain, with all the technological advances we have, we still depend on healthy, vibrant ecosystem for water, for food, for medicine, for clothes, for shelter, for energy. Just mention what it takes us back to that nature. So our solutions are in nature, emphasizes hope, solidarity, and the importance of working together at all levels to build this better future of life in harmony with nature. And we hope this 2020 will give us that reflection opportunity and solutions where more than ever the world can signal a strong will for global framework that will bend the curve on biodiversity uh, loss for the benefit of human and life on earth. Indeed and while of course the coronavirus is tragic in so many ways and millions have lost their lives there is a sense isn't there as you say that it is a unifier that it's brought people together perhaps like never before to understand some of the issues that were being ignored about the environment the bigger picture about the world and the planet in which we live 
And you've highlighted many very distressing statistics where biodiversity is concerned. But is there anything more positive that you've noticed? Are there any examples of stories that show a certain clawing back of the biodiversity through projects over the years? When we look at the environment, I know the unfortunate situation we are in, uh, we are also told that the environment has improved. But we don't want to continue to be locked in for the environment to be improved because we are told statistics like in China, air pollution has reduced is it by 25% also. The animals who many countries thought had gone to extinct, all of a sudden they are appearing. The animals even moving from the forest now being seen in the cities because the cities are empty. The air pollution from transport movement, now that most cars are parked, only few are on the roads, obviously the air pollution has reduced. But apparently, globally, globally, the air pollution is still increasing. And we don't want to remain in this COVID situation also for the environment to improve out there. So there's that one positive, but also negative. But then positive is this situation has brought at the table, at the forefront, the importance of biodiversity and nature, which probably in the past we did not recognize it's important as we do now. We have all suffered. I don't think there's one human being in the world today will say has not suffered as the result of COVID. Not only for losing our relatives and friends or for being sick, but just to be locked in, just our working situation changing. Our all schools closed, our children studying from home, and we are all asking why. So if then we are saying this pandemic is the result of nature, yet to be uh, confirmed, then the message has been clear to everybody. And we hope uh, exiting from COVID-19, nature will be given the importance and priority it deserves to be able to build back better, as our UN Secretary General has emphasized. Third, the positive which comes to it as the result of all these meetings which have been uh, postponed. If they had happened without the COVID, we would have still been dealing with the business as usual, probably. But the COVID has also taught us business as usual is no longer an option. We need transformative changes to really make sure we do not get back to where we are today. And this will be a priority globally. So I think that, again, is positive news and especially bringing uh, nature on the table. We are so grateful that you've given us your time today. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. 